thank you so much for taking your time and talking with me. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm going to start with a little bit of a kind of unprecedented way, which is asking you to close your eyes and think back and remember what it was like on March 13th, 2020, because it feels like a really long time ago. And what were you thinking or feeling or doing during those first few days of the shutdown and then weeks and even months of the quarantine? How are you spending your time or kind of feeling into that space? Well, it, it's actually, it feels like, and when I think about it, I feel like it's been almost like a five-year gap or something like that. And I'm like, wow, March, March of 2020. See, like I'm having a hard time even actually being like, okay, during that time, we were in the process uh, with Sigourte and just being a person that tends to the land and has been reconnecting with the land two and a half years prior to that. I was barely on my first year of learning how to actually be self-sustainable and learn how to farm and just learn what it's really like to enter the land. During that time, I just remember I was preparing myself mentally and physically really kind of rough months on the land. By rough, I mean putting in physical labor and, and, and work. And that also comes with dismantling a lot of struggles that sometimes a lot of folks don't go through because they're not a queer person or a two-spirit person. And on top of that, a queer person of color, an indigenous person of color. For sure. Thank you. And then what, if anything, did you learn about yourself when things kind of stopped? Because was it different on the land or not so much because you were, all were outside? I mean, if I actually just like think back a little more to that time, being a person that has been called uh, to reconnect with the land, with the soil, I don't really, I feel like it, it kind of never really changed for me because I still had to be on the land and tending to like that soil and in particularly tending to to this land that I was raised which is the village of Huchin in like Lishanaloni territory I'm like how's that gonna work I remember being you know like hearing about COVID in fall of 2019 I believe and in that winter me and my other co-worker from Segorte had taken a trip down to Mexico, to Zapatista territory. And on the way back, before we actually knew what COVID was, we had already heard that this virus was making its way over from, you know, from all of these other countries. So actually on our way back, being stuck at the airport on an international airport, I came back sick. And I just remember like being really sick for a month and a half. And the symptoms were the exact same symptoms as COVID. And I remember I couldn't even be at work or like be on the land. And I actually got my parents sick and I got some of my colleagues sick. Went back to the last question. So I just remember I was kind of fearful of getting COVID, even though I was not conscious that I probably had had COVID. And the doctors, they just basically told me there was like a really strong flu strain and they hadn't really quite put their finger on it. But now that I make the connection, I just remember being really fearful um, during that time and having to just adjust to, to this other pandemic because I feel like as a person of color, a queer person, I feel like we've gone through a lot of these things called pandemics. So like the violence never stops or never has stopped 
coming for our bodies. And so like, again, for me, from my personal perspective, I kind of had to adjust and take in what was coming. Even till now, we're still in the pandemic. So it's like adjusting. What is the world going to like shift to now? What I'm hearing from you is this idea that, that you probably had COVID and they didn't even have a test for it. And you were feeling like you were really sick. There's two things going on that I think, which is just, I'm thinking about what we learned as we were navigating this fear. And also this, what what I'm also hearing you say is that there's, we're familiar with the fear and you're familiar with the fear in particular, right? Because there's always been violence directed and you're always navigating that fear of violence. And so the, so COVID is just another iteration of that. So I'm wondering if there's any unique kind of insights or lessons that happened as a result of the form of this new violence Mm. that you were navigating. Well, there was a lot of things going on. Like, for example, I had at the moment, we didn't have healthcare and I didn't have healthcare. So I just remember actually like going to the doctors and them telling me that they couldn't give me any medicine because I didn't have healthcare. So, and I just remember leaving the health facility, crossing the street where there was houseless encampment, kept growing and growing. And, you know, we're in the midst of gentrification. There's this building being put up right next next door. So I just remember I stopped at the bus stop and I just started crying. And it just felt, oh yeah, like here comes something else with, with, you know, obviously like the propaganda of the media, stereotyping that this virus came from X, Y, and C. We like to say that we're the wokest person, but it kind of gets us at times, you know, And one of the things that I learned, I guess, just again, you know, being with a bunch of uh, older women matriarchs that I look up to and them reiterating that, you know, this might just be the beginning of one, like climate change, other pandemics, you know, other diseases coming. And the constant reminder that our people, you know, they try to exterminate us with diseases. I believe it's called biological warfare, you know, spiritual warfare. And yo, like, this is just like another thing that, that I have to adjust to. And like directly, I just went in my brain. I just directly like shifted the elders in the community and my parents, the people that are not the healthiest and directly you know just being a person grew up here in what I call like the urban res and a person that doesn't have like any wealthy family members and and who's worked in retail who's worked grocery stores I already knew I could see it all in my head that there's still people that have to work and obviously there's going to be people of color like we're at the bottom of this food chain all over again so it was this sense of anxiety and you know after I just started to feel like this extreme loneliness of not being able to be around my community and not being able to be around like family members, you know, and kind of just like being like, what comes next? We have to prepare for it. This work has been like preparing us for for things like this. We have been learning how to make medicine and traditional medicine. And we've been learning how to reconnect with traditional medicines because we had learned that years prior, we were able to hand that those things out to community members. And yeah, it was a huge shift. It's a lot to think about right now, actually. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like there's so, it was, it's coming from all the different angles, healthcare, gentrification, another form of biological warfare, all of the 
you know, essential workers and how folks were treated, especially people who were working on the land for the food and then the whole agricultural business, industrial agricultural business, which lots of people talk about the healthcare industry during that time, but they don't talk about our food during that time, right? And then the medicine and then relatives, I do, I hear that. It sounds like it's a ton. And yeah, it was a lot. So I'm sorry if I'm all over the place. <laughs> no, it's great. It's super great. This is what it's about, right? Like if we don't think about it and process it, it couldn't go away. And I think that there are important lessons and insights that we can kind of hold on to. The original um, reason why I want to do this story is because I feel like people are trying to get back to some normal that there never was a normal that who wants to go back to that place. And there are lots of things that have been exposed and we can't just like shove them back under some weird sort of like, you know, hashtag liberal, like change your background deal. Let's get in and let's do the work now. And let's remember, it feels like it's been 10 years. It feels like it's been 10 minutes, depending on what it is and, and what are we doing about that? And so I really am hoping that in 2022, people think about how do you want to be in 2022? And I think part of that is the opportunity when the noise was a little bit quieted because people were quarantining, some things floated to the surface easier. And I want to bring those back in for people to hear. So I want to hear all the things. So don't worry. My next question is kind of a hard question in terms of uh, what did you lose and or let go of mm-hmm. as a result of, of this time, of, of this new pandemic? over the past 19 months? I think for me, one of the strongest lessons like as an individual was letting go or loosely letting go of this idea, this individualistic mindset and more into like a communal mindset that that was really strong, really hard for me. And the reasoning, because speaking from personal experience, again, it's just growing up in the hood as a poor person. We never really had much. At the time, I had luckily been selected in a, in a lottery for a low-income unit. Uh, two years, three years prior to that. And so I had like my own apartment. Okay, I have my own apartment in the Bay Area, it's low income. It don't get better than this, you know, like I gotta like hold on to this apartment. Like I feel like that's been one of the biggest things for me is just not putting myself first and thinking about community. Folks, you know, they started doing food distribution. People are starting to help left and right. People are like growing food and, you know, people are like, you know, I'm going to start my own garden. I think that was one of the biggest things that I learned that was kind of uncomfortable for me. Not really thinking about myself, but thinking about like an overall whole, you know. I'm a person that represents different communities. First generation, Yoeme, Yaki, Mashika. So, and I'm from East Oakland. I speak Spanish too. I just felt like there was all of these. I'm queer. I'm two-spirit. I feel there's all these communities that needed my support. You're trying to be like there for everybody all at the same time. And a lot of people got stretched out then. Whoever had the ability was trying to put in their best. And some people just simply couldn't. And there's nothing with that. It's kind of scary to think that you, you know, this unknown virus is kind of scary. You know, like I, I don't blame anybody for for not stepping forward. You know, everybody could, everybody's in however they feel at the moment. What did you lose and or let go of? 
Okay. Yeah, so that's what I, one of the things that I let, let go of was the individualistic mindset. And even then, I feel like I grew from that. Now, food distribution is something that, like, we still continue to, to do with the Segorite Land Trust. At first, we were getting, like, all these boxes with a whole bunch of things on them. And then we started, like, collaborating with other Native groups, Cultural Conservancy, which they grow a lot of their stuff. We started actually growing our own stuff, so, like, we would harvest our own foods. At first, we were doing, like, multiple communities members this year we solely focus on elders so they could get their hands on like healthier foods but even then for me someone who questions things a lot even just seeing other community members get these boxes of food I noticed that a lot of these foods are you know like GMO foods and they're giving it to minorities so it's just like the same cycle all over again I really couldn't like ignore that so that's why I felt like it was really important for us to grow food and harvest it and hand it out to community members our elders in particularly um, even though I wasn't much but they were grateful and it was only like our second year into learning how to farm we we did like a, a pretty good job for some folks that never had their hands in the soil before mm-hmm. so yeah so I guess I gained the skills of I'm still in a process of gaining the skills of, of farming um, and tending to the land getting more familiarized with some of the issues like some of the foods that could help our elders certain diseases that that impact our community more and what are like the medicines that could help our elders step away from like pharmaceuticals and more into like traditional medicines and just herbal remedies and stuff like that. So that's another thing that I gained. Yeah. That's awesome. So what I'm hearing is, is that you, there's, there were some gifts as well as some losses and there's some perspective shifting that is happening from being individual, more focused on self and now more focused on community. And and there's all these intersections and then also learning about medicines and learning about farming and growing your own food and seeing how important that is because of the big agribusiness is with food. It takes a lot of the nutrients out of it, the nutritional value out of it, right? And it's also infused with pesticides and all these other things. And, you know, and then also the pharmaceuticals have all their side effects and all the other things. It's very different than plant medicine, right? And all those ways. Did you see any other kind of silver linings or gifts from being reprioritizing, I guess, in terms of how you spend your time? Mm -hmm. Let me see. I feel like I have to think about that a little what do you mean by silver lining? I'm sorry. Yeah, more like any things you've gained in addition to what you already said from and that you've sort of held on to from these new perspectives or new practices that you're developing mm-hmm. you have been developing over the past two years. Yeah, so I feel like mentally I'm more prepared or actually gaining all of this knowledge, opening my eyes, but capitalism is you know what i'm saying like monoculture our migrant relatives you know being the 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 first ones on the front line yeah it it was a really hard time you know we were like in the midst of all of these uprisings as well this pandemic all of these people were taking on the street i'm like oh my god a lot happened that year you know there was like moms for housing in west Oakland. george floyd was murdered violently by police 
And I just remember there was all these uprisings. I think I carry that fire and like that courage from, from those times. And I feel like that fuel the fire already in me and can't be like turned off. So sometimes like a little fearless, anything that, that could be thrown our way. Sometimes it feels a little desensitizing sometimes. So I try to find a, a, a balance in between yeah be there for community provide space safe spaces for folks and be there for each other if you can like it's okay if you if you can't give that to you know but just like if you're able to money is space it's like if you have space if you have a home he like moved here from somewhere and i was like give up your home give it to some, some people that are actually from this area who are struggling you know if, if you come from a wealthy family and you're here living on like unseated like ohlone land pay shumi don't think about your yourself like think about like the broader picture and like the whole community not everybody could do it but if you can just do it that's just like one of the things that I just moving forward if, if I have a little more like I'm just gonna think about my relative like I just can't think about myself for now on yeah and kind of letting go of what was considered a uh, normal which is a nine to five job, like at an office, a tech job, letting go of all of that, opening your eyes more into, you know, what the land needs, what earth needs. So yeah, it's just been a trip, honestly. Yeah, it has. And, you know, I have another question that's related to kind of where you went at the end too of what you were saying, which is any words of wisdom and or calls to action that you'd like our listeners to hear, especially in terms of like how to transform social structures into spaces that support strong relationships, healing, and justice. So when I think about the pandemic, I always think about other places that were affected more than like here in the Bay Area. I think about spaces now that are still being affected. And one of the places is coming up like immediately right now is the big island of Hawaii. Even amongst the pandemic, people were still protecting like their sacred mountain. People at line three during a pandemic, people are, are still trying to stop that pipeline. And and even here in the midst of COVID, like for example, uh, Karina Gould and her family and supporters and allies are in the midst of protecting their sacred site, which is the West Berkeley Shell Mounds. Everybody's still going, protecting water. In the midst of the pandemic, a lot of top links to a lot of people who are still facing possible felonies. There's like the IP5, Indigenous Peoples 5. A lot of these statues were coming down. And during the wake of the death of George Floyd, a lot of communities were standing together in solidarity. And these statues were coming down, these statues that represent genocide. So all of these other structures too, like gentrification, these buildings coming up, all of those represent genocide today. I like this modern name, the destruction and the demolition of the land. How many more buildings can you put up? How much more overpopulated can this city be? I just feel wherever you're at, there's a movement happening to, to pay attention to that, you know, pay attention, like wherever you're at here in this fake country, <laughs> wherever you're at, you're on like stolen indigenous land, you know, all over North America, South America, Central America, we're on indigenous land. And just pay attention to wherever you step, recognize that and research like what's going on in that area. Who are the people of that land? What is going on? You just tap in with all the injustices. Yeah. So that's at this moment, what I could think of. And just, again, just tapping in again with like the Indigenous Peoples Age 5. It's a group of five women identifying and two spirit identifying folks. They're facing a possible felony charge for an alleged toppling in Marin County of 
a racist colonizer, Junipero Serra. So I just want to let folks know about that. And if they want to like tap in and see some of those injustices that are happening here in the Bay Area. And we can put a link on the blog so that people can can support too, for sure, because that that's really important. Right. Thank Definitely. you. Yeah, for sure. My last question for you is how does your queer identity or two-spirit identity inform your purpose and your work? Well, let me see. How does it inform my purpose and my work? Being a two-spirit person right now, just even having the term two-spirit to identify with. Two-spirit is it's a very broad term. It's basically for an indigenous, indigenous queer person, a person that's indigenous and queer pretty much open for them to come back to like those other roles those other third fourth fifth sixth seventh genders so it, it's pretty much open for us reclaim our our places back with our people with our lineage with our tribes with our clans so I feel like right now this duty that I don't take lightly to like continue the path the previous ancestors two-spirit ancestors have put forward for me for it to be a little lighter on me so that I could continue this work for the next generation yeah I feel like wherever I go because of who I am wherever I am I'm able to like speak just my truth and my story and you know able to say who I am speak of my ancestors where I come from you know what I'm an indigenous queer person we're still here when these colonizers got here when the mission development God came here to California, they went for the two-spirit, the queer people first, and the women and the children. I'm just using my identity to speak uh, speak on history that hasn't been touched on for a while. Yeah, so that's how I use my identity, speaking my story and answering questions, I guess, like trying to continue the work for, for the younger generation so it could be a little lighter on them and so that they could continue it. Oh, completely, like the good ancestor you know, vibe, right? Like you, like, I want to be a good ancestor. And I also know in learning more and more about like your lineage too, of your ancestors. Yes. And, and then being living, breathing resilience and history and pushing back against the attempted genocide and the attempted erasure of the experience. I totally hear that. Um, And it gets hard. (laughs) Right. It gets hard. So how do you, how do you take care of yourself or how do you continue to nurture that fire and that courage that you spoke about earlier? That's also part of what you were just said. That's a good question. One of the things also that I learned with through the pandemic and now nurturing my spirit and who I am is honoring every single emotion that I feel, whether it's anger or fear or anxiety. I feel like I've been tracing back to like, where does that come from? And just keep remembering that I'm here in this present time. This is a time that was selected for me to be alive, to inhabit this body. So I just keep trying to be gentle to myself and be like, you know what? You were selected to be here right now and do this work, speak your stories, speak your truth. So just stay true to that and know that it gets hard and you never stop learning. If you walk in a good way with practicing gratitude and try to walk with love and and honesty, we all make mistakes. 
but you can make it a little light, lighter for you and in that way just kind of honoring everything that I feel and and again going back kind of questioning like where does that come from and realizing that sometimes I'm not going to get to the core of it you know because a lot of the generational trauma comes from three, four generations down. They got passed on to my great-grandmother. They got passed on to my grandmother. They got passed on to my mother. So by the time it got to me, you know, like I'm wondering why am I angry all the time? A mist of like everything that's going on, you know, but it's like, sometimes, you know, you wonder why do I feel like, why does my body react in this way to like this feeling? And, and it's, it needs to be honored felt and then you could release it easier said than done and everybody's at their own timing and you can't put a cap on nobody's like emotional capacity everybody is for themselves so just be cautious that of that you know and be mindful of that that everybody's on their own journey and at their own timing so I think that's like the best way that that I try to walk in just practicing gratitude and just giving thanks for the land this land that I that nurtures me and that nurtures me because I'm born and raised in East Oakland in the village of Huchin, this incredible place where a lot of movements have started. Yeah, just giving thanks and honoring always people of this land and honoring my ancestors. Yeah, thanks for that question. Of course. And my, I promise this is my last one. (laughs) I know I keep saying that and then I keep coming up with one, but I promise. Can you describe what it's like? Because what I heard you say in the beginning was that you hadn't like worked on the land and tilled the land and like, and really gotten your hands in there before two years ago, right? Or maybe three at this point because of maybe a year before COVID started, yeah? Mm-hmm. So it's been about three years. Can you kind of tell me like, what is it like to, to do it and how does it feel when you're there and kind of what a typical period is or experiences or day or hour or however you want to the time around it it's definitely again like coming back honoring every emotion because when you're out there with the soil or with the plant you spend a lot of time an intimate setting with this plant like you're caring for it or caring for the land caring for the crops and the soil what, what do you need for me so that you could, you know, it's like reciprocal, really like quieting down and like listening even to the wind and like paying attention to elements or like, if it rains, I'm not going to water you today if it rained. Growing up and growing up here in East Oakland, we don't, I never always growing up in apartments, living in apartments, like my family doesn't have own a house never really the only soil that I knew was in a a square in the concrete where a tree is growing I couldn't even identify a tree you know besides the oak tree because it's used for Oakland but even then the oak tree people don't realize it used to be like oak oak forests here in the Bay Area and like the East Bay you know so like that's pretty much all I knew you know as a kid and growing up we never had plants at home it just completely like changed my life when Sigorte got their first piece of land returned back in um, 2017, which was a quarter acre in DP Stokeland on 105th. It was like a dump site. I just remember sitting back there for hours, weeding, you know, something that's like never ending, like weeding. If you have a garden home or like weeds are endless and just like life, you know, there's always these things that are going to like keep coming up. So land has taught me a lot about being patient with myself, being patient with transformation and coming back to yourself. A lot of the plants that I first, that actually that they, they first like tapped in with me were like traditional like medicinal plants California white sage California mugwort 
silt root, very important plants to a lot of indigenous people, silt root being a, a very important plant, the Lashan Ohlone, Ohlone people, period. And just kind of learning for them, caring for them, and advocating for them. Same way that we advocate social justice movement, the appropriation of like these plants. It just completely shifted my mindset into putting the land first. And it's like a trip to just be in, have my hands in like the soil, the urban rest, what I call it, like in this urban setting, you know, and at the same time, see a lot of things just unfold before me for like my Lashana Loney relatives, the first Arbor Racing, a ceremonial space for them to have ceremony in Oakland in over 250 years to actually harvest seeds from those plants that we first got that first year and to be able to share those seeds with community members and now see those seeds be on like their third, fourth year. So it's just been life-changing to see actual people learn about cultural appropriation and particularly with white sage and being like, hey, you know, this is an endangered species. It's sold at Whole Foods, these other markets, but you could actually grow it yourself. This one in particularly was grown here in this territory. And it's on its like third year. It's been prayed for. You know what I'm saying? It's been prayed for and good intentions have been put on it. I want to like gift you this plant, something completely different opposed to buying medicine. I think it's really beautiful to say, to, to really talk about the relationship and how it's a reciprocal relationship and how it, it's like you're learning about this deep generational living form that takes on year after year and being able to witness that and also to witness the reclaiming after 250 years as well of like a ceremonial space in deep East Oakland where people have all these kinds of ideas of what happens there, but in the land, in the soil, it's still there and it's still happening. It took 250 years, but it is happening. And so I have like all these goosebumps. It's this core way of knowing that I think plant medicine comes in all forms. It's in terms of not just physical, biological, but spiritual, emotional, mental healing right. is what I'm hearing you talk about that is really ancestral core soul healing of the soul trauma. I'm thinking of like Resma Menikin and his work, his somatic work. And I think there's something about the somatic act of being in the soil and praying to these plants and listening to these plants and caring for them and them caring for us like at the same time and for you at the same time you know I think yeah I think it's really beautiful so I I love what you said <laughs> thank you I, I think scientifically it has been proven to soil putting your hands in the soil like it or like smelling like the soil come up it, it changes it produces happy hormone for us being indigenous people and and coming back to those ways it's just reawakening and reawakening in us like obviously like we look like the soil so this reconnection yeah reawakening that's how i feel it's been sleeping for a while it's like hey like i'm here wake you up all over again you know so overall thing you know it made me physically feel better spiritually i've heard some of 
some of my elders and actually like one of the co-founders of Sigourite Lantras always mentioned something that sticks with me. Sigourite like birthed from like this occupation of a, of a sacred site in Vallejo, Sigourite. And there was an occupation there for 111 days. And the people, when they speak of their experience of being there, they always talk about that it, it changed their DNA. So I'm wow, being on the land has definitely like changed me. That's always something that I carry with me. I never feel alone like on the land. It's also something that's like really tapped me in with losing people here growing up and stuff and like losing friends, remembering that those people, those have turned into spirits that have turned into ancestors. And these plants and these spirits, they all inhabit the spirit world, you know, like the elements. It's just like this beautiful connection between like the living world, the spirit world for me that has like really like come back like really full circle and has created this space where I feel kind of safe, safe and held. I think that's so powerful. That's what I mean about the soul wounding that has happened generationally, right? And then it sounds, it's a healing of that deep soul wound. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So I thank you. Thank you so much for that. I want to thank you for your time. I really, I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm feeling it like in my core, like in my gut. And so I'm just, I have a lot of gratitude for you taking the time despite all the things you're managing right now with your schedule and everything to, to meet with me, the show will be in January. Can I add one more thing? Oh, totally. I just wanted to add this deep healing work. I feel like we're living in the time. It's a trend. Everybody, you know, feels that urge to like want to heal. So I just want to ask people to look into who they are and their ancestry and honor that. I know a lot of people because of the atrocities that have happened don't have that. But I just hope that people are able to find something that like holds them. I just wanted to add healing. It's it's not easy and it's very painful and it's hard work. I always want to add that and, and honor the exhaustion of wanting to heal and be a better person for the next generation or it's really exhausting so definitely always feeling this tiredness over like my body at the same time all these things are happening I also feel very very tired at times so I just want to ask folks to like give themselves some time to like just relax and be with themselves and honor every emotion that you feel in the process like all of them are welcome here yeah nice cool thank you appreciate that well thank you so much thank you so much um, for your patience and for being you and just having all these questions thank you so much and likewise seriously thank you again have a great evening